Wings Things Podcast. I believe we're in the 20s, episode 21. It don't matter. You don't care. Uh, but there are other ones of these. You can go listen to those. Uh, Chris Clausen is joining us here today. And uh, this is another soccer one. So about half of these have turned into soccer ones. As you know, I'm not allowed. Not I shouldn't say allowed, but uh, I don't talk a lot of soccer on the actual radio show. And obviously, I love soccer. So, Chris, uh, you you messaged us. Why I forget. Why did you you sent us an email about something? Uh, you made a comment. You were watching an NFL game that had the uh, no a soccer game that had the uh, NFL markings at yeah, Wembley Stadium. It was a Premier League game, and there was an NFL game that was there the day before. Yeah, and so there were still the markings. And I said something like, "Well, every high school coach in America knows what this is like when there's football lines and soccer lines on the same field." Yeah, and that just kind of struck a chord because, like, when I was growing up, every pro game in the '70s, '80s, that's what it looked like with the football markings on it. And I just I don't know why I contacted you, and you were nice enough to invite me here in the studio, and I really appreciate it well hey that goes to show you guys that are listeners if you're interesting i'll talk to you okay if you're not interesting just carry on with your life but if you're interesting like chris here uh i'll come talk to you and the really the you, the one thing that you told me before i found out a little more about you is that you were the first guy to ever sign with the milwaukee wave 84 what happened was uh i answered an ad in soccer america magazine for team usa and I drove to Columbus, Ohio, and out of 300 people, I made the final 16-man roster. And we went on a two-week tour where we played against Indiana University, national champs, uh, a couple other uh, local all-star teams. And those players on that Team USA tour were available to be drafted in the newly formed American Indoor Soccer Association. And Milwaukee got granted a franchise. And because I lived here... I was the uh, first player signed to a contract with them. And you got paid a ton of money? Millions of dollars? Millions of dollars, Bart. Millions of dollars. I think uh, I think my contract was for like $3,700 for a six-month period, to be honest. So I'm sure you had another job? Well, I was uh, 21 years old at the time. No, I did not have another job, Bart. So that was your job? That was my job. So yearly, I mean, that's less than probably 8000 a year, 37, six months. Did you have to cover team expenses and stuff? or No, we had some perks. We had some good perks. Um, we had uh, free apartment, uh, free health club membership. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was a dream, you know, to play pro soccer. So I was I was happy, you know. Now, from the Milwaukee area, uh, Shorewood, I didn't know. That's where I'm living now in Shorewood. I, I saw that you're living in Shorewood. Can I give out your address on the air? No, yeah. you may not. Yeah, I went to Shorewood High School. They uh they got a soccer team my senior year finally, like 1980. Yeah. Why did you do you know my address? Uh no no I'm just kidding Bart. <laughs> just kidding. I'm, I'm a little nervous. Uh, I haven't been on the radio since I won those Pink Floyd tickets back in '86. <laughs> well, technically, uh, you're not on the radio, so just pretend like we're in my basement or okay. something. At 26. 20- oh no, no <laughs> I'm not giving out my address. No, that's cool. So local guy, you get to play for the Wave. The league just starting, and the Wave, I mean, they've been through a ton of different leagues. Um, I've got some connection with the Wave. I Well, as a kid, you know, I lived in Fond du Lac, but we would come down here the hour to go to games. And some of the biggest game in the 90s, when it was at its heyday, when they're in the Bradley Center, they're in championships, and they're packing the place. I did intern with the Wave probably in 2008, it was the year they were in the four-team XSL yeah. league, yeah. and it was a little underwhelming. Yeah, well, because the, of what I remembered as a kid about the wave, 
compared to what I was a part of, it was not the same. Well, they, I mean, they had their run. They had their niche. I mean, like they were getting some 17,000, 18,000 people a game at the Bradley Center for some games. And it's just, you know, these leagues, I call them the alphabet leagues. They just come and go. They, they fold. It's like, you know. NASL, MISL. Yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, like um, the, the, the Wave right now, they, they have a lot of dedicated athletes. I would never criticize the Wave, but I just think the, the league itself is just not anywhere near as strong as it used to be. Well, they do have a lot of dedicated fans. I know one guy, uh, Brian, who's a big fan. Uh, another guy, Shane. I'll give him a shout-out. Him and his buddy, they go to all the games. I mean, and they don't miss them. And I think when you do go to the games, uh, there's a New Year's Day game or New Year's Eve game, and there's some other it, – it's good family entertainment. It's just, yeah, the league is – if you didn't know about the Wave then, it's hard to know about the Wave now. And maybe I don't know how you fix that. Not a referendum on the Wave. I mean, it's it's the same indoor soccer game. It just – it did. It, it had its heyday, and unfortunately, that's kind of gone. Yeah, I actually like the mascot game. Uh, that's my favorite game to go to. Ah, uh, sure. Uh, where they play at halftime. I find that very entertaining. You get Bernie over there and Roscoe and uh, the UW Panthers and all that kind of stuff, UWM Panthers and stuff. When you were playing with the Wave, I mean, what was it like then? Where did, where did, where did you play even? Well, okay, our first two weeks of practice were held at the lakefront in Milwaukee outside. We had no indoor facility, okay? Sure. We played at the Gun Club, which is just north of Bradford Beach. Uh, we played at the Odd Auditorium, uh, like 2,500 capacity, which was great because the fans were right on the field. You know, it was a lot of passion, intensity there. And it just got bigger and bigger. You know, we moved from the Odd to the Arena to the Bradley Center. But you have to remember, in 1984, there was no professional outdoor league. There was no right. Major League Soccer yet or anything. All the best players played indoor soccer. Because the N- ASL died. The uh, NPSL? N- NASL. NASL. North American Soccer League. I was League. right. Yes, close. And you're wearing a Cosmos jacket. I am. I am. Which I didn't give you credit for. Very yet. old school. Very I like old school. it. I like so it. So all the best players were playing indoor. So, I mean, what can I say? It was uh, great players, great teams. I'm always surprised that indoor hasn't taken off more because when I talk about soccer and the constant you know, complaints I get, people describe what they want soccer to be, and I say... Yeah, that's indoor soccer. You want more scoring? You, you, that's indoor soccer. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. I mean, have you tried watching Major League Soccer? I can't watch it. I mean, I, I'd rather watch paint dry. It's it's boring to me. I can understand the complaints about <laughs> soccer, but um, you know, you know, you got to give soccer its respect. If you don't like soccer, I understand, but just give it its respect. It deserves respect. All right, for Major League Soccer, when it first started in '96, I was twelve. And I was a big baseball fan. They go on strike, so I'm mad because I thought they betrayed me, you know. So soccer starts up, and I'm all in. I am 100% in MLS. If the Metro Stars are playing the Clash at 2 o'clock on ESPN2 on a Saturday, I'm watching that game as a kid. And I felt like it's it's on me, you know, to help this league grow. And then over time, I, I kind of get out of it. I get back in. I get back out of it. A couple years ago, I really decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back into this. Uh, the Timbers, I decided, were going to be my team. Nice. The playoff run they made where they won the MLS Cup. It's a Saturday night. I'm at my house. I'm dying to watch the game. It's not on TV. This is the year I had the package, but for whatever reason, this playoff game is not. I even bought the package, direct kick at the time. And I'm watching some guy in the stands periscope a shootout because I'm so into it. And I'll tell you, I really try with MLS. 
I want to support it. You know, I still have a timber shirt or two that I wear. But after the United States missed the World Cup, I quit. I said, this is this league is bad. It's a bad league. I knew it was, I mean, skill-wise, it's they think they're top 10. They're not top 20. And what they're doing indirectly is helping all the other CONCACAF clubs and countries beat them then in the World Cup. That's a very good point. Um, the the business of soccer, MLS is doing great as far as attendance. I mean, Atlanta's getting over 50,000 a game. Seattle, Atlanta, Portland. You know, people in their little Wisconsin bubble, they they act like soccer's not even a sport. I mean, MLS is doing great attendance-wise. Yeah, I agree. But um, like I said, I, I have a hard time watching as far as an entertainment product and value. And it is real weird because the markets you mentioned, they will draw like 50, but then like Chicago, maybe get 10. Yeah. I know New England kind of struggles. But in the there there is an appetite for professional soccer in America, even knowing all the other options that you can have. I just... You know, doing more like looking into it. I I don't like the way the businesses run because it's it, it does seem like it seems pyramid schemey. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The only way they make money is by expansion clubs, and so they've expanded from like ten, and they were going to be cautious about that because they don't want to be like the NASL, but they're falling into a lot of the same traps. Also, have you ever heard of a sports league where one owner can own multiple franchises in a league? I mean, they've got that in Major League Soccer. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think I heard you uh, on your podcast with Mark Geiger, World Cup referee. You have to have promotion relegation. You've got to emulate the other countries, what they're doing. They're light years ahead of us. We didn't make the World Cup, okay? In the last three years, youth soccer participation is down 14%. That's the dirty little secret the USSF doesn't want you to know. It's because nobody's having any fun. These parents got to pay so much money for their kids to play soccer. You got to bring the fun back. U.S. soccer... I always thought it could win the World Cup in my lifetime, but I've changed that stance. I don't think they can. Did you ever hear when I had Bruce Arena on? Good luck getting that interview. What happened? Uh, I I was pissed. I had him on. <laughs> yeah. And I asked him a couple of things. I said, look, I didn't want to like, you know, as I'm sitting there watching the World Cup, I want to yell at him. But I have him on my show. He's nice enough to come on to promote whatever he's promoting. I forgot. I didn't read it. Yeah. Um, but I said... You know, people are mad at you. You you failed them. And he said, he paused. If people are going to be mad, however he talks, <laughs> if people are going to, his fake accent, if they're going to be mad at me for, uh, there's bigger things to worry about in life. And I said, well, what about the pay to play stuff? I mean, it's pay to, everything's pay to play. Okay. Well, that's not necessarily true. I think the biggest problem with like, Soccer in America, and I had some coaches on uh, a while back too last summer about this because they were offering a free class, uh, just a free camp in the summer. I thought that's nice, and it was kind of inner city ish. Mm. You you don't you don't see like kids don't know to play soccer. You look at all over the country, and you could like you and I, we don't have a field. We could go outside. Something in here will work as a ball. And we can make a goal. It's just the easiest sport to just play when you don't have the instruments to play it, I think. Right. I don't think we do a good job of reaching that sort of level of people in in the country. And by level of people, I just mean like any kid that wants to have fun because it's gotten very privatized, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that you're right. I thought we were going to win a U.S. A World Cup in our lifetime. 
20 years ago, I thought we'd win one by now. Yeah. Uh, foolish to think that. Yeah. Well, with all due respect to Trinidad and Tobago, we can't beat Trinidad and Tobago in soccer. <laughs> What's going on here? And then you have to, like, justify that because people will get into it around the World Cup, and that's always fun. I've got fan, or friends that do not watch any soccer, but they are with me for the World Cup all the time. And then so we're getting ready for the cycle, and we're ready, and then they lose to Trinidad and Tobago. And how can a country with 300,000 beat a country with 325 million people? And my answer is, I I don't know. I, I well, don't know. Well, Bart, you can only play 11 players on the field at the same time. So <laughs> I just, I don't know. Yeah, and that, they say, well, everyone's, you know, it's football kids, and there's basketball kids, and there's baseball kids. There's 325 million people in America. You can't find 20 that can compete at a world level. Yeah. 20. Yeah. We don't need LeBron James to be playing soccer. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's it's the mentality of the sport. Uh, I don't know. Soccer is all about respect and being humble and um, being selfless, you know. And uh, it, uh, American sports right now just seems so individual orientated, you know, me, 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 me. And I, I don't know. It's just a different way of thinking these other countries have. Your uh, soccer playing career, uh, I mean, you were with the Wave for a little bit, but where did you all play, go? Well, I moved here from Athens, Georgia in 1976, and um, I just started playing soccer in Georgia, and I called the journal newspaper. I said, what's the best soccer club in town? And they said, the Bavarians. And living in Shorewood, it was close to my house. I went there, and I came to a practice, and I did not know I'd be joining the number one Amateur Soccer Club in the United States. <laughs> so I played there uh, for four or five years until uh, I was good enough to maybe play pro. And I bounced around on a bunch of indoor teams, Milwaukee Wave, Fort Wayne Flames, Dayton Dynamo, Buffalo Blizzard. Um, my goal was I wanted to be the first uh, American pro soccer player to play in Germany. And I, I tore all the ligaments in my knee, and it took me about a year and a half to come back. And uh, I lost a little bit of speed, so that dream was kind of over, but... I did pretty well. I played for 12 years, so I did pretty well. Was it all, I mean, it wasn't all indoor, was it? Except for one season with the Milwaukee Rampage in 95. Oh, okay. Then maybe I was at a game. We had uh, a coach, Cacho Cordoba, who was a famous player in Argentina. I first met him. He invited me into his house. He said, I want to put this tape on for you. And there he is, playing for Boca Juniors, passing the ball to Diego Maradona. (laughs) I said, I should listen to this guy. I could learn from this guy. The the rampage. Uh, one time, my family went down. We did the first kick, for before the kickoff, like the first pitch. But I went to a couple of those games, and so the way soccer structured is, and it's still this way kind of now. But there's the MLS, and then there's another league, and I think now there's like a third league with like fifty teams. But every other country around the world, for those of you that don't know, if you're in the bottom league, you can win your way up to the next league, and then win your way up to the next league. And then to be at the top league, and if you're in the top league and you're one of the worst teams that year, then you have to go back down to the second league and try again. The Rampage wouldn't have ever had that opportunity, even when MLS was then made. Even a club like the Bavarians <coughs> should have, like, the, they should have, the like, the Torrent, whatever the hell league they're playing in. I still don't know. <laughs> whatever they're playing in, they should have the opportunity to play in the MLS. And that can be a pipe dream. That can be ridiculous. There's no way they'll ever get the financing, blah, 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 blah. It should be possible because it is in every other country. And even in America, you know, when Leicester City wins, we're all like, wow, that's so cool. So let's do that here. No. 
why? We just, we liked it. That was enjoyable. Nah. Well, what the hell? I just, with the way that soccer structured and kind of bringing it back to MLS, I think it's doomed to fail. I, I don't think it will be around, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15. I just, it's doomed to fail. It won't succeed. Well, I've got to disagree with you there, Bart. Uh, the, the crowd attendance says otherwise. Uh, it's going up and up. MLS is here to stay. The thing about the promotion promotion well, relegation. It, it's a, the, like the wave, though. They had 18,000. It went back down. I almost feel like MLS is gonna. Okay, well, it could stay, but it won't ever be what. Well, it could okay, be. let's let's look at indoor soccer. Um, do you like arena football? No. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't like indoor soccer any more than I like arena football. Arena football is like a <laughs> bastardization of real football. That's what indoor soccer is to outdoor soccer. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk to you more about that in a second. But you were saying something. You were talking about um, the the beauty about that promotion relegation thing is. Okay, when the clubs are trying to get promoted or the teams that are trying to stay in the first league, their salaries, if they go down to the second division, they get a huge salary cut. Okay, they are fighting for their money. It's incredible games. Like in the English league, if you watch coming up next spring with the teams trying to stay unrelegated, oh my God, they're they're literally playing for millions of dollars every game. It's great. Yeah, and it, it just makes everything more exciting instead of teams like what we do here. Uh, you tank for the draft yeah, I, or whatever. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. I agree. All right, so indoor versus outdoor. You're not in – I mean, you played for 11 years. Indoor soccer's got the walls. It's AstroTurf. Uh, it's very hard on the body. Anybody can play indoor soccer. Outdoor's the real game, Bart. Come on. No, you know why you're right about that? Is because as a goalkeeper, um, I was way better in indoor. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a smaller goal. But I just, I don't know, I was better in indoor. So, yeah, anyone could play indoor soccer. You're right. I try, I mean, I got back down here. I tried to play a little bit. I tried to get in a league at E-Line. Okay. And I thought it was going to be like an over 30 beer league. Yeah. Oh, no. I was, there was one team that was college girls from Concordia that beat us <laughs> about 12 to 2. Yeah, I, I officiate uh, indoor games at Brookfield, and uh, even the co-ed league is like the World Cup, man. It's like uh, people take that real serious. Yeah, so what, Chris, is your involvement now in the game? Uh, I officiate high school games and club soccer games and uh, right now indoor soccer games. That's uh, how I stay close. I'm going to go into coaching probably within the next year. I've really never coached. Uh, all my friends, when they retired, they went into coaching. I wanted to try something new, so uh, I went into officiating instead. What was the biggest game you officiated? Um, I did some indoor games with about 18,000 people, Detroit Rockers against the oh, Wave wow. and you stuff like that. Yeah, I did some games where uh, Mia Hamm was here with the women's national team in an exhibition game to raise money for her uh, brother who died. Um, yeah, I did, I did some pretty big games. Uh, it's hard. I think every player and coach should have to officiate a few games just to respect it and Try to understand how hard it is. Like some of these coaches are so out of control. I feel like saying to them, "Hey, man, you know, if I was a good referee, I wouldn't be doing your game." You know what I mean? It's like they just people <laughs> just get so bent out of shape. It's like, okay, the ball goes out of bounds at half field. It's our ball. It's our ball. You're gonna get the ball back in five seconds. Just relax. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I don't know. That's like the funniest thing. You know, you gotta like play your audience. That's really funny to me. It's true. Some of these high school coaches, I'm thinking of the guy at Nina that we always played. You know him? Who? Harry Kelderman. 
Oh, sure. I played uh, pro with Chris Kelderman. All right. You don't have to say anything rude about their family because I'm going to talk rude about Harry. This guy, what he does, okay? Soccer coaching to me is done in practice. Exactly. Thank you. You're welcome. It's done in practice. You coach, you let your guys play and see what happens. If you have to make in-game adjustments, substitutions, you do that. But if you're a good enough coach, they'll learn what they did in practice, take it over to the game. What Harry did at Nina High School was coach soccer like basketball, where you have all these basketball coaches throughout the state, which just bugs the hell out of me too because they're all trying to emulate Bobby Knight (laughs) Who no coach has coached like that for thirty years, <laughs> right? Right. But you got all these guys with, with towels on their shoulders, sweating, working harder than the players. It's unbelievable. So what Harry does is he'll intimidate the refs, yeah, and the refs, you know, kowtow to him. Yeah. And then after the game, they're going out to ground round and Nina, and they're all having beers together. Meanwhile, yeah. my poor dad, yeah, of course, uh, comes back to the personal side, coaching for Fondy, just drives home, and he's like, "Well, well I can't break into these these people." And sometimes that's what it's like. If you're coaching in soccer, I think a lot of that's done in practice. Yeah. But yeah, if you're officiating, uh, if I was any good, I I wouldn't be. I love officiating though. Yeah. I just uh, it's yeah. I don't know why. It's not that I like the power aspect of it. Right. I did when I was a 12 year old boy and ref for the first. Oh, time. Oh hey, by the way, Mark Geiger was being nice to you on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you tried to officiate a World Cup game, you wouldn't last two minutes. You would just be eaten alive. People would be throwing bottles and batteries at you. He was just being nice to you. <laughs> I yeah, but running the lines, it seems like no work because it's not. Well, you said you like running lines. See, for me, the line is harder because of all my knee surgeries, the stopping, the starting, having to stay with the last defender. I like being in the middle because I can just roam and run wherever I like. But I want people to know running the line as an official is not hard. I mean, physically, if you have that issue, sure. Yeah. yeah. But from like a – that's the guy in the middle does all the work. Right, yeah. It's not like in basketball where three guys, you know, they're covering the same amount of space. I mean, that guy in the middle, that's a lot of work, and you're expected to see a lot. Well, you're making literally hundreds of decisions during a game. Of course, you're going to get some of them wrong. You know, it's, people just got to keep things in perspective. Do you like the uh, video review? I do. Um, some of the countries I've seen use it, like Germany, it doesn't delay the game that much at all. They they only use it like once every few games, too. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I like it. When it decides World Cup games? Well. <sighs> I mean, the USA could have used it in 2002. Yeah. Against oh, Germany. The handball? Yeah. Um, I think it's like anything. Once you have the technology, you might as well use it. Uh, I thought I heard you talking about, you know, Robot umpires and stuff like that. I wouldn't for baseball. I'm not in favor of that. But yeah, I think you can use instant replay properly in soccer. Yeah, I have switched over the course of the year though. I would be okay with an automated strike zone. I think too many guys. You want to e- talk about? Well, every umpire calls it differently, right? I mean, these right. guys all strike zone. You know, and I'm telling you, some of these guys know it's a strike and they'll call it a ball, yeah. ump show, or they'll know mm-hmm. it's a ball and they'll call it a strike. Yeah, just to show them up. See, as a great soccer referee, you want to go unnoticed. But the Major League Baseball umpires, it's like their show, yeah. Yeah, there's 40,000 people here. They paid. They took off work to come see my fat ass <laughs> called Balls and Strikes. Are you kidding me? Ridiculous. So you were here for a while. You moved to uh, Key West. Yeah, I got an opportunity to move to Key West in uh, 2002. I won a, uh, a free trip for a timeshare. And I basically never left. I came back here and got my stuff. Said I'm moving to Key West, and no one saw me again for five years. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I actually started my own uh, soccer league down there with all the foreign players, and uh, I called it the K-League. And uh, we played every Sunday in the heat. We had the uh, Argentinians, the Czechs, the Coast Guard. We had eight teams, and I did all the games by myself. Uh, there were no other referees. There's only one soccer field down there. So that went on for a couple of years. Yeah, Key West was great. Um, I was there five years. Uh, just kind of missed my family and a lot of soccer stuff. So I moved back here in 2008. You wrote a book? I did write a book. Uh, I was working as a security guard at the Pier House Resort. Um, and they said I couldn't read the paper while I was there in my little sh- uh, hut. But they didn't say I couldn't write anything. So I started scribbling down, I'm going to write a book. I said, I'm going to write a book one day. And I just kept writing and writing. And finally, I self-published it. It's about uh, a retired pro soccer player who works for the British Secret Service and to help capture some terrorists. And uh, what, what it is, Bart, is it's the anti-Disney soccer story, okay? It doesn't have cute animals and little kids. It's an R-rated action-adventure soccer story, okay? It's like football has the longest yard. Baseball has Major League. You know, golf has Tin Cup. Hockey has Slapshot. Where is the great action-adventure R-rated soccer movie? It's right there in front of you. How about Victory? Victory, that is a good uh, movie that you brought up. I love Victory with Sylvester Stallone. But uh, that's not an American production that uh, takes place in Europe. There's, If you ever watch Victory again, the first time I watched it, uh, there's a like a penalty kick at the end. I think Pele's the goalie in that. No, Sylvester Stallone's the goalie. Okay. Okay. So they show the save, and he goes like upper 90 to make the save, and then they do a review, and on the instant replay, he's going down low. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> Movie mistake. I saw that too, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we watched it like 100. What about the big green? What about Ladybugs? Well, again, those are pretty good movies. No, uh, they're okay. what's, the, what's the movie with uh, Ditka as the coach, Will Ferrell? Uh, it's kicking and screaming. Yeah, that's my favorite one, I think. Uh but this is uh, this is an action adventure movie. I, I actually want to hire you uh, to be my agent to get someone to look at my screenplay that I have registered and copyrighted in Hollywood. It's, it's good to go. I just I got to get an agent, someone to look at. Do you know Mark Cuban? He he loves soccer. He's uh, owner of a futsal franchise right now. He owns a film company. Steve Nash, famous uh, Hall of Fame basketball player. He loves soccer. He's got a film company. I would have to think you're more connected with these people than I am. Uh, I, I have no, I don't know anybody in the industry. I just need a connection. Just, I want someone like just a to, movie connection. Yes, just to read my screenplay. Okay, it's like if I was an athlete wanted to get a tryout for a team, yeah. I could hire an agent, get a tryout. Okay, if I was a musician, hire an agent, get me some gigs in the literary and film industry. You cannot even hire an agent. You have to be recommended. So I'm going to leave you a bunch of business cards. If you run into anybody in the film industry, let's make a soccer movie. <laughs> I'm in. Okay. No, you're right, though. My dad wrote a book, and it's like he goes to these publishers, and they're like, oh, yeah, uh, sure. Well, can you, like, distribute it? Or, uh, yeah, you get 30 cents a copy if we sell any. <laughs> but make sure, you se- make sure you send out 7 million free ones <laughs> to get the word out. Yeah, well, there was an author who got turned down by 50 publishing companies, and his name was Dr. Seuss. How about that? Things like that just keep me going, Bart. So you're the next Dr. Seuss? <laughs> Only R-rated in terrorism movies? I am working on a new book. I've got 30 pages into it. Seriously, it's called Bad Soccer Coach, and it's not G-rated. Oh. I'll email you uh, the preview if you'd like to see it. Yeah. Can I I'd be your agent, but can I also have the starring lead role? I don't know. Can you act? 
Well, actually, your whole life is pretty much an act. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no real me. I'm just a big <laughs> phony. Just an act. Nothing's r- real. I don't even know. I lost that guy years ago. Anyway, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. um, now, you're. You, I saw in your bio, uh, you're from Fond du Lac, right? Yeah, why don't you ask me some questions? Okay, well, you know, I got to tell you what happened in Fond du Lac. Um, my buddy from Florida was visiting, and I was showing him around Wisconsin. We went to Madison, Green Bay. And uh, he goes, so this is Fondalac. I said, well, yeah, we're in Fondalac. It's pronounced Fondalac. Fondalac. And he's like, no, it's it's Fondalac. I said, no, dude, I'm, I live here in Wisconsin. It's it's Fondalac. Fond he goes, you want to bet? You want to bet lunch? And I go, yeah, sure. So I pulled up to this drive-through restaurant, and I asked the girl behind the counter. I said, hey, we got a bet going. Can you tell us where we are and say it really slowly so we can hear you? And she goes. Burger King. <laughs> That's a, okay. It's not pronounced Burger King. Anyway, I'm. I'm I hope uh, people in Milwaukee appreciate it because I, I really do. You do a. You do a very adequate job, and I mean, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Bro. Adequate. That's all I shoot for. <laughs> is adequate. Yeah, that, that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm going for. I appreciate that. It is Fond du Lac. Uh, also, fond of my sack. <laughs> you could call it that if you want. Awful town. <laughs> anyway. Well, cool. Uh, that's all I got for you. You got anything else for me? No, I just uh, want you to tell your friend Gary Ellis. Just uh, let him know that I kept this interview on the on the 100, as he would say. <laughs> and uh, no, seriously, you, you're, you're awesome, man. You do a great job, and I really appreciate you having me here. Seriously. Yeah, no, anytime to talk soccer, and I mean, you've got some great experiences, some great thoughts. Your EPL team, who do you like, Premier League? Well, when you say EPL, I've been watching this team since 78, so it's Manchester United. We're suffering some hard times, but I don't give up on my team. I was there when they got relegated once in the 80s. They were in the second division one year, Manchester United, so they've always been my team, so I'll stick with them. Because when I you know, want to get into that a little bit, it's... Well, who do you like? I ask my friends because who do you like? Arsenal. Who do you like? Liverpool. It's those two. Always. Always around here. So I thought, okay, I got to find a team. I went to Vegas for my bachelor party. Uh-huh. Poker tournament. Yeah. 40 people. I won. And I beat this guy from England. And I said, who's your team? Because I need a team. I'll like whoever you are. Okay. I don't wow. care. Wow, okay. Whoever it is. Yeah. He said, well, you don't want to do that. I said, why? We are never good. I said, are you going to get relegated? Well, we're never really that bad. West Ham. So that's the Hammers. Who my, that's, that's who my team is. West Ham. Got a jersey. Kit. That's, that's okay. Real quick. And now that I'm mad. You can call a soccer field a field. You can. People are always like, oh, I'm sorry. Pitch. The pitch. Like if I'm talking to a football guy. Yeah. Uh, you, you, that soccer field. I'm sorry. Pitch. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> that's that's what I say to him. Anyway. Right. Well, let's go have a word with the gaffer. Yeah. <laughs> nail, nail. Is that rock? Nail, nail. <laughs> it's zero, zero, you dumbass. <laughs> I don't care about that. It was a draw. It was a draw. Not a tie. It was, it was a tie. A draw. You can use those kind of words. It's fine. Hey, pleasure to meet you. Good to meet you.
I will star in your movie and get it produced. And I'll call Mark Cuban. He's actually my next interview. Uh, so, well, he's coming in studio in about 105. So if you could get out of here by then, uh, that'd be good. Thanks, Bart. Chris, Love appreciate you, man. it. Thank you.